Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy. I am your host today and my name is going to be Atticus. Um, I hope that you all have had a great week, great days, great weekends, maybe a great year if you are not on planet Earth, or maybe a great year if you happen to not live in the United States of America. Um, I think you're probably having a great year, definitely if you don't have to say that you've got the tangerine tornado as your president. Um, I hope you guys all are having a great day though. Thank you for coming back and listening to my whiny nasally voice and all the horrible things that I have to say about the world. Um, you know, if you are enjoying the show, if you like the show, if you're interested interested in the show, please give me a rating on whatever podcast app you're listening to. Give me a rating. Leave me some comments. Um, you know what? In honor of today, I'm going to give us 37 curse words. So if you want to curse me out in 37 curse words or less, I'm here for it. I would enjoy it very, very much. Um, but if you do want to interact with the show, feel free to do so on all of the social medias at Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy on all the socials or Lifestyle GBB. Or you can email me at LifestyleGBB at gmail.com. That's Lifestyle, G is in gay, B is in black, B is in boy at gmail.com. I'll be sure to read your emails, you know, send me your questions, comments, concerns, um, Anything you want to hear me talk about, I'll be glad to do it. And then maybe I'll drag you into my little horrible world of facts some days. <laughs> but let's get this show started, y'all. Um, so today, um, something I learned, very, very, very happy to learn. Um, last week in Peru, a new geoglyph was revealed in Nazca. So if you're not familiar with Nazca, Nazca or the Nazca Lines have been designated as a UNESCO World Heritage Site for a long time in Peru. Um, they're giant geoglyphs that have been drawn into the ground and they've been there for about 2000 years. <clears throat> now, these like geoglyphs, they're of different animals. There's ants, there's fish, there's well, there's birds, there's all kinds of stuff and they're massive. Um, and they're actually made by digging in a depression into the ground and then flipping over the upturned earth so it gets this new fresh color and that creates the actual geoglyph. Um, they were made 2,000 years ago, if not more, but this is only an estimated age. And this new geoglyph is a cat. It's a cat that's 37 meters long and that's a whole lot of pussy. Um, the designs themselves are just drawn into the ground. This one's actually on a part of a big hill. And it would have never been discovered if they were not planning to create a new path to a new observation platform that they're going to build at the heritage site. People would have never noticed this cat was there. And it was in danger of being lost forever because on that hill, it was eroding a lot faster than the other Nazca lines. Now, the Nazca lines are so big that you need to view them from an aerial view to actually see the full geoglyph. That's how big it is. Um, some of them are the size of buildings. They're bigger than cars, everything. So it's amazing that these things were built by, and I say this in quotes, primitive societies, because there's no way they would have been able to get that high to view out the whole um, image before it was completed. Um, there's even a man that's in one of them that's been speculated to be an alien with a spacesuit on because of the shape of its head. But, I mean, you know, there's things that you can debate with it. Um, the cat itself 
since it gone so long being unnoticed, it was never restored or kept up. So it was in danger of being destroyed and lost to history completely. But once it was discovered, it was worked on meticulously, and now it looks beautiful. Um, this cat, it doesn't look like a cat like we're going to see like Garfield, but it's super freaking cute. And the cat dates back to 500 BC to 200 AD. Um, so it's really old. We just don't know the exact age just yet. But it's so cool, and I just am so excited to see history being un. Um, discovered even more or history being uncovered and restored it's just beautiful to see and I mean Peru that's the cradle of civilization and Machu Picchu's in Peru and Peru and so many other places so super excited to see it can't wait to see if there's more who knows what else is there in Nazca um, but that's just a little happy little thing I want to share Another thing that I want to share, and this I'm going to say is a spoiler alert. So spoiler, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. If you like Lovecraft Country, I am going to spoil the finale a little bit. So I'm giving you a chance now to go ahead and fast forward into this, and then we can come back. All right? Now's your chance. Okay. So Lovecraft Country. The season finale of Lovecraft Country came on um, the Sunday that just passed, and it was amazing. Um, the show ends in a way that I expected I expected it to end this way, but I didn't expect all of it to end this way. Um, first, I want to talk about the show itself. So Lovecraft Country, I've talked about this before in a previous episode, um, which is Crafting for the Love, available on iTunes, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, and any other major podcasting platform, if you're interested in listening to it. But uh, the show itself, it is a sci-fi show that consists of a mainly black cast. Um, they're going through supernatural events that have occurred in the world created by the author H.P. Lovecraft and a book called Lovecraft Country that was written by the author of Lovecraft Country is Matt Ruff. Um, Matt Ruff is a white man, which is crazy because the way he writes the story, you would think that the author of uh, Lovecraft Country was black. But <clears throat> the show is bri brilliantly written and it's directed and produced by a black woman named Misha Green alongside Jordan Pill. Um, the first thing that I have to say about the show is I am so happy this is the representation I have wanted forever. I love sci-fi, especially supernatural and space things. And, oh my God, not only did the show give me supernatural horror with a black male lead, but then it also brought in black women who played just as important, if not bigger roles than the main protagonist of the story. Oh my God. Um, look, I saw a black woman in space with an afro. That threw me, literally threw me. It sent me. I was so happy to see it. Um, but when I was watching this, I was just getting to see black people space travel, time travel, experience multiverses, use magic and so much more. And for the longest things, these were character traits or ideologies or experiences that we would only ever see happen for white characters in a story and never for black characters in a story. Um, a lot of times, space travel and space alone, it was reserved for only white characters or random alien fish dogs or Klingons or people who wear the weirdest shit like androids. It was never for black people. 
And so now to see it, it's like, what? It's amazing. And it's all in one place. Not only do I get my horror fix, I get my space fix, I get my universal fix, I get my meta fix. But then on top of that, with all these amazing things that happen in the show, and I get to see Black people in spaces that I never expected to see them in, they tie in Black historical events into the story. Real Black historical events. Like the Tulsa Massacre, where in Tulsa, Oklahoma, all we were killed. We were slaughtered. Our city was bombed because we were Black people making a life on our own. And the people who were white supremacists did not like that at all. Um, they even address Emmett Till. Emmett Till is a character. He's not a main character, but his story is relevant throughout the story of the show and the book. Um, if you're not familiar with Emmett Till, Emmett Till was lynched. He was killed by two white men who accused him of whistling at a white woman and they murdered him. They beat the shit out of him, tied him to a cotton gin wheel, I think, and left his body out for three days and he died. Um, and nobody was charged. Both of the men who did this to him, they knew that they did this. There is no doubt that these men did this to him, but they weren't charged. They were let go free by a all right, jewelry. Um, sundown towns. In the very first episode, we get to see a scene that isn't always talked about, and I know definitely wasn't talked about when I was in school, but a sundown town. And these are towns that are predominantly white that became very dangerous for people who are black after dark. Like they would be lynched, attacked, assaulted, raped, murdered, killed, just because they're black in this town. Um, then we also saw there were designated travel agencies for Black people to use to guarantee safe travel. I mean, in the era of Jim Crow, everything was unsafe, especially if you had Black skin. You were unsafe and you were most likely to get lynched or killed at some point just doing your everyday task because that's America. I mean, that's still America now. It hasn't changed much. But the show takes us to these parts of history that it seems school systems and everyday people want to hide. And they put them right in your face. They put Emmett Till right in our face. They put Tulsa right in our face. They put sundown towns right in our face. They put the Jim Crow, the separate but equal logic, right in our face from the very first episode. In the very first episode, we see Atticus, the main character, with a woman who's on a bus. The bus breaks down. So a pickup truck comes and picks up all the white people who are on the bus. And both of them had to walk miles just to get to Chicago from where they were carrying their luggage like they were nothing they weren't even thought of it's ridiculous but this is the history that we lived in this is America so I can only say that I am super happy to have seen these experiences on television to see this representation on television especially in the sci-fi realm and it just makes me feel so good inside now on to the finale um, it ends in amazing fashion, but unfortunately, Tick dies. Um, Tick dies, and I just cried. I cried when he died, but I had a feeling he was going to die. Um, this last episode of Lovecraft Country, it really presents us with a lot of the finale of the character development that we've gone through. We've seen certain characters who used to be Black and got the chance to live their life as a white woman make their ultimate decision. Do they stick with the person who gave them this power or do they stick with their family members? We see one of my uh, favorite characters, Dee, 
who's um, a younger girl. She's Hippolyta's daughter, who Hippolyta goes on a time travel adventure and through a multiverse machine to gain infinite wisdom and knowledge. And this black woman with infinite wisdom and knowledge, it's just beautiful to see. Um, but her daughter becomes part cyborg because of something that happens to her. And there's just so many things that are so, so, so good. Now, the evil bitch, Christina, who is the main character who happens to be white, she's going after immortality, which we find out. And that's the reason why she needs Atticus to kill him, take all of his blood, and cast immortality spells on her. But the story ends with so many beautiful things happening. Now, unfortunately, Tick dies, and another character that I really fell in love with, she dies as well. But in the end of it all, we get to see something that I'm so happy that we get to see. In African religions, especially spiritual religions, magic does have a lot to do with what they consider as a part of their realm, their world, the way that they function. And for the longest time, Black people were told that their religion was evil because it wasn't Christianity. It wasn't led by the white Jesus. So in those magic practicing religions, it was seen as witchcraft or devil magic or Satanism or satanic worship. When all in all, this was actually magic that was meant for us to empower us, to make us who we are. So the story ends with the white character who was trying to take magic from black people and get immortality getting killed and made so white people can never use magic again it is beautiful and the one thing that i can say is it's so justifying at the end i won't spoil the very end for you but christina that bitch she gets what was coming to her and it's so beautiful to watch because one of my favorite characters takes care of her um, this show itself, it brought me back to a lot of things that I just love. Um, it really follows the characters and builds development and story and embraces history and the backstories that are built into it are so good. Um, but also one of the things that I like, I talked about The Last of Us in the episode Naughty Dog Take My Money, and I love The Last of Us Part 2. The game is angering. It pissed me off. I was frustrated. I wanted to scream and yell and fight the entire time. But when I finished it, I was in tears crying because it brought out these emotions in me. Lovecraft Country has done the same thing. It's brought out these emotions that made me so volatile and angry and just wanting to scream at my television. But then watching it and enjoying the story, I am not mad that it's over. I'm happy that it all happened. And look, I cannot wait for another season. Give us a second season, please. It's so good. It's amazing. I, all I can say is y'all go out and watch Lovecraft Country. You'll love it. It's available on HBO Max. And all the episodes are available now because it was the season finale. So you can just binge watch it. And it's so, 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 so good. Ah, all right. That ends the spoiler. Spoiler is over. If you're coming back in, hopefully this is enough time for you to understand. I have finished talking about Lovecraft Country. There are no more spoilers coming up. All right. So another thing that uh, really stuck out to me this week, which I am very, very happy about, Michael Still, 
Michael Steele. Um, he used to be the former chairman of the Republican National Committee and is now a senior advisor to the Lincoln Project. And Michael Steele is a black man who is a Republican, who voted for Trump originally, but has now said in public news that he is going to vote for Joe Biden. Um, he stated that he's going to be voting for Joe Biden in the upcoming election. And here's a little bit of backstory to it. So Michael Steele grew up in a Democratic household and mostly Democratic neighborhoods. He decided early on in his life to vote Republican and choose the Republican Party because a lot of his beliefs that he has himself were put forward by Ronald Reagan. And he said that those beliefs matched his mother's belief in what he was taught and how he grew up about society and how to succeed. Um, I want to give a little known history about the Republican Party. Um, the Republican Party platform, it came into play in 1856. Um, it denounced slavery as a relic of barbarism. And President Abraham Lincoln in 1860 at the Cooper Union speech detailed the constitutional legal framework for action. His Gettysburg Address, or A New Birth of Freedom, and his second inaugural address illuminated a path forward for a riven nation to get dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now, this was the foundation of the Republican Party originally. So the I'm getting tongue-tied. The Republican Party has not always been this crazy group of white people screaming, yelling, just all the time. Now, of course, you can see what I just read about the Republican Party is completely different than what we know the party to be today. Um, the party today is quite scary. It's full of people who want to see black people back in chains, picking cotton and saying, yes, master. So. One of the things I do want to bring up, um, Michael Steele is a very prominent figure. He was a very prominent figure when it came to the 2016 election and a few other Republican bids because he was a black man and he was the black former chairman of the RNC. I mean, that's a, that's a big platform to have as a black man in the Republican Party. But a lot of people weren't swayed over by him. Michael Steele, unfortunately, did not test well with black people. He really didn't relate well to black people. So a lot of black people just saw him as, I see a lot of people right now as coons. Like just, what the fuck are you doing, Uncle Tom? We can't get into this. But now what I see is Michael Steele has gone public to say he's not supporting this bullshit anymore. So one of the things that Michael did say is that he can't say I'm happy, um, well, I'm not even going to read the quote. He did talk about how he's not happy with everything that Joe Biden is talking about. He's not all for Joe Biden's platform, but he is actually choosing country over party at this point. Um, Michael Steele, I can't tell you how happy I am to hear you speak out publicly in the news about not supporting Trump. Um, Maybe this will be a wake-up moment for some Black people who are like, well, all these famous Black people are supporting Trump. And then now we have the former head of the Republican National Convention. He says, no, I'm not supporting this bullshit. Um, he isn't changing party lines, but he is willing to acknowledge that the apricot alien has done more damage to the country than good. Even by his own words, he acknowledged that the goldenrod gremlin has kissed the asses of dictators, then got on his knees, asked for more, and said, yes, daddy, please. 
Um, he's acknowledged that the goldenrod gremlin has spread hate and vitriol, and he's empowered white supremacists and encouraged them to do even worse things than they've already done. Um, Michael Sill is also a part of the Lincoln Project, which I want to bring up. Um, this is an organization of Republicans who are specifically working to make sure that the orange orangutan does not win another election cycle, um, which I didn't even know that this group existed. I'm so, so happy to hear that. Uh, it's so nice. You know, it's nice to see this change happening publicly because a lot of famous or notable Black people have been saying they support the dumpster fire right now and seem to have forgotten all the horrible things that this man has done since they're going to get some kind of tax credit that really goes to millionaires. So to all of you out there, Ice Cube, The Coons, Asian Doll, and anybody voting for him because they hope to get another $1,200 stimulus check, just so you know, he still looks at you as blacks. And I'm using his own word, the blacks. Um, he looks at us as freeloaders, ghetto, we come from shithole countries, and we're less than nothing. Um, I keep hearing black person after black person throwing support this man's way. And I don't know if you all realize that he's going to kick you out of the car after the election is over. The same way you would kick out your cheating ass boyfriend from the car if you happen to look over and see this hoe texting some bitch when he thought you were making a U-turn. Like, and y'all don't get it. And he's not going to kick you out on like a side street. He's going to kick you out on the expressway and make you walk back home. And hopefully you don't get hit by a car when that happens. Um, I just want you to understand that if the chairman on the RNC, the Republican National Convention, this is the committee that really works into choosing the presidential candidate for Republicans. If he has said, I don't support this, come on now. Y'all can't tell me there's nothing good there. You can't be that willing to hold out for $1,200 for another, what, seven months and think that it's going to be okay for the next four years? Ice Cube, you and your meeting with Trump, whatever it is, I, I, I heard the explanation from Ice Cube that he just wanted to go to the person who was in power to get a voice that would listen to him to get things done. You could have done that with Joe Biden. You could have done that with Bernie Sanders. You could have done that with Elizabeth Warren. You could have done all of this. And for you to be the person to go to the dumpster fire, the Trumpster mess, the whatever bullshit we want to call him, and then try to justify it and say, oh, well, because he was in power and he could do something, you've only created more division in the Black community now. You've only created more division because now we have people arguing that you are a trustworthy source and you went to Trump, so he must be good if Ice Cube's on his side, as opposed to, hey, yeah, you've got this contract with Black America and there's this platinum package and stuff, but where was that package four years ago? This man had four years to design and design all these things and he didn't do that. He wasted his time trying to get back in Obama's pants and suck his dick as opposed to just putting himself out there and creating a plan that would help everybody. So screw all of you whores who want to vote for that. And if you're a black person cooning for Trump, you coon right on by yourself. Um, that's all I got to say about that. But I'm going to take a little break. We will be back and I'll talk to you in a bit. All right, y'all, we are back. Okay, so this last little bit of the podcast, I want to focus on some of the things um, that have left me quite smuckledorfed over this last couple of days. 
Uh, the first thing is QAnon. Now, QAnon, I'm going to bring them up because if you haven't seen the media or the news, QAnon is a phrase that's pretty prevalent. Um, I can't even call it like a buzz phrase or anything. This is just uh, a group of people who, once I get into it, y'all, you're going to see why I'm talking about this like I have a headache. So QAnon is a far right wing group that is loosely organized through the internet, social media, and a community of believers who believe and embrace a lot of unsubstantiated things. Mainly, they believe the elites of the world in the Democratic Party, politicians, journalists, entertainment moguls, and very prominent institutional figures are a part of the deep state government. The deep state is essentially a government or a group of people who are working to destroy the government from the inside out. Um, what they also believe is that this deep state government is run by people who are abusing children, who are pedophiles, and who are cannibals that eat babies for spiritual energy and immor- immortality. They also believe that the Peach Pirate, who rents the right house right now, is the superhero that is going to be needed to save all of the children. Yes, the Peach Pirate is going to save the children. Now, the QAnon believers believe that there will be this great storm where all of the people who have done wrong are going to be brought to justice. So, they believe that this great storm is coming. All of these political people or powerful people are going to be arrested for eating babies and pedophilia and all this stuff. Now, I just got to tell you the first thing that's wrong about this great storm and people being brought to justice. It's not happening. Um, We can just see that in the fact that Breonna Taylor's murderers are still out there. Daniel Prude's murderers are still out there. We keep finding black people hanging from trees and these deaths have been ruled suicides but their murderers are still out there because I'm sorry, I don't know any black people who are going to go out to the middle of a crowded public park and hang themselves from a tree and nobody's going to stop them. These are lynchings. That's what's happening. But then these people believe after this great uh, storm, there's going to be the great awakening. And the great awakening is supposed to happen where it's like, okay, we see all these people are getting arrested and he's got a baby in a to-go bag over there. Then that means they were right the whole entire time. So once the great awakening happened, that's when everybody realizes that QAnon was correct. And QAnon gets to say, I told you so, bitches. Now let's go live in a utopia. Which I don't know what utopia is going to be if the peach pirate is supposed to be the savior of the world. That just really confuses the fuck out of me. But now aside from all the obvious craziness that we have here, we have to address something first. Um, If you didn't know, QAnon... If you didn't know anything about QAnon, you would think that this was just some crazy shit on YouTube. Um, But it's actually developed quite a a movement. Uh, The Peach Piranha... That's going to be the person in the White House. I'm trying out these new names. Tell me what you think. Um, Has been asked multiple times to denounce the group, and he has not. He's actually posted a bunch of their lies on Twitter and has openly encouraged them. 
Secondly, you mean to tell me the man who can't save his own hairline, can't blend his own makeup, looks weird in a suit, has the smallest hands I think I've ever seen compared to somebody's body, is going to bring the world into utopia? Y'all, he can't even tame the hayfire that's on top of his head, let alone do that. Um, you know, just make it make sense, please. Make it make sense for me. Um, lastly, QAnon, if you have all of this proof of what you're doing, I need you to bring it forward. Um, every authority power apparently is corrupt, and the power of social media can help uncover a lot. So I'm just trying to figure out where y'all are out. Now, how can we find out that Billy, the Trump supporter, purchased a bottle of fleet to douche himself for a long night of pounding 10 years ago, but none of you of QAnon can give me information outside of YouTube or unsubstantiated Wikipedia pages? It makes no sense. You know, QAnon, if I could say one thing to me, your base and how they go about representing their theories is all wrong. All I ever see is cisgendered white men screaming at the top of their lungs, waving flags, notably the United States flag and the Blue Lives Matter flag. Let's break that down just for a minute. Waving a flag that represents the entity that you say is kidnapping children and leading to cannibalism, the United States flag, doesn't really help your cause. If you're saying you're against the corruption in the government and things that have occurred, then why would you be waving the flag of the government that you say is so corrupt? Another thing, you're also carrying the Blue Lives Matter flag, which according to your beliefs, children are being kidnapped, eaten, and there's pedophilia. For all this to happen on the massive scale that you're saying is happening, that means law enforcement has to be looking the opposite direction this entire time. You can't ignore what's happening. So if you are saying you're going against the entity that is corrupt, that's leading to all these bad things that's happening, why don't you have a different flag? You use two of the flags of the people who you say are the ones causing these issues. It makes no sense. The other side of it, lastly, you got to really think with your head. If you're screaming, most people tune you out. I kind of look at you QAnon people as like the kid in the store who's throwing a temper tantrum because they couldn't get the all berries Captain Crunch. And the mother is like, uh, or the mother or father or the parent is like, we're getting this cereal. We don't want Captain Crunch and you've never eaten Captain Crunch before. So why the fuck do you want it now? That's what I imagine the QAnon people are. They're screaming for cereal that they've never had and they don't even know if they like it. So you kind of just ignore them, tune them out, and keep it moving. Um, Take this from somebody who used to be a conspiracy theory believer at one point in my life. You can shout and scream and call the establishment all the names you want. But most of what's going to happen to you is when people see you on the street, they're just going to cross the street and go to the other side. Um, Just in case you didn't know, that is a Black experience that happens a lot. It happens all the time to me. People cross the street when they see me coming because I'm a Black person. I cross the street when I see QAnon people coming because they're screaming. It is what it is. I hope that y'all figure it out and realize this is not real and don't get swayed and pulled into the bullshit. Because this QAnon stuff, it's a rabbit hole. It is a rabbit hole, and I've only stepped in the top layer of shit. I haven't even gotten to the cave bear shit that's under all of it. Um, but just understand that they're selling you bullshit. They are selling you bullshit.
Um, but people will be interested if you present the bullshit in a nice way. That's all I'll say to you. <laughs> all right. So I didn't want to talk about this, but I'm going to talk about it. Uh, because at first I saw the story and I was like, no, I'm just not even going to give this person the time of day. But at this point, I think I have to. So the Georgia state representative, Vernon Jones, who is a Democrat, decided to go crowd surfing at a Trump rally. Now, Vernon Jones, he uh, really didn't care about what was going on with the coronavirus. He still doesn't really care or safety measures. And last Friday, he went to a Donald Trump rally, and this was in Georgia. Um, While he was at the rally, of course, he was on stage supporting Donald Trump, you know, made sure he got a good whiff of his balls, and then decided to crowd surf, which is jumping into a crowd of people and expecting them to carry you up. And this rally occurred in Macon, Georgia. And when he crowd surfed, he did not have on a mask. I mean, you know, crowd surfing itself, that's going to eliminate the six feet of social distance that you're supposed to have. And then if you look at the crowd he jumped into, there was no social distancing whatsoever. And it was a majority of white people who have a no mask. So most likely all of them have COVID now. (laughs) That's not substantiated by fact. I'm just saying that. But... And Jones decided, I'm going to jump in the crowd and just coon along with these people out here because Donald Trump is so great. Now, he's already endorsed Donald Trump for the 2020 election. Um, and he's one of the people who is just an idiot. And this is proof that all skin folk are not kin folk. Um, Jones did face some backlash for his stunt. And this came on Twitter. Um, a lot of people pointed out that the United States is experiencing another peak of daily infections. Others criticized Trump in their posts because he had the rally um, in the middle of the pandemic. But one of the biggest things for it is you're literally exposing more and more people and you don't even have a mask on. You, you're not even trying to pretend that COVID is real. Now that 220,000 Americans have died and more are sick, sick, upwards to 8 million Americans, you just don't care. So then, of course, in all the backlash, Vernon Jones decided to post on his Twitter, surfing with the at real Donald Trump hashtag deplorables and hashtag peaceful protesters in Macon, Georgia. Put Georgia in the win column. We were 7,000 plus strong. This Trump train hashtag is about to steamroll over corrupt Joe Biden. Hashtag fake liberal news and the at DNC hashtag fill the burn. Now, Vern, I'm going to change that to fill the burn because you're, you're going to be burned from this. Um, I hope all of our Georgia rep- uh, voters vote your ass out. Like, you just look like a dumb coon who is about to be lynched, and you're smiling about it. Now, then he went on and posted, Yes, I surfed that crowd. To the haters, stay mad. You'll be even more mad come November 3rd. Which, of course, he is um, he is supporting Donald Trump and hoping Donald Trump wins. Now, Vernon has described himself as a conservative Democrat and is an, as an avid Trump supporter. So this man is cooning for a trophy. He is cooning for the victory. Uh, 
I'm going to call you Vern Coon Jones. Vern Coon Jones, I hope that you have a wake-up call. Um, I hope that you didn't get COVID from surfing on this crowd of people who just don't care at all. I hope that nothing but good things come to you. But I do need you to understand that the man that you're supporting looks at you as the same nigger that you were before he even got into office. Let's just sum it up with that. Um, you deciding to crowd surf on this crowd. I hope that you didn't give anybody COVID, but I hope if anybody has COVID out of this, it is you. So that way you can see just how important this really is. We have to stop treating this pandemic like it's nothing because more and more displays like this are only hurting people. And the fact that you have on no mask and you are a black man as a public figure doing something very, very noticeable, you're only bringing more detriment to the black community. Be a role model. You're in government. Be a role model. Like, I get, I get it that you want to deep throat Donald Trump. I get it. Deep throating is very, very fun. I thoroughly enjoy it. But you've got to look at the dicks you're putting in your mouth because not all dick is good dick. Just remember that, Vernon, or Vern Coon, whatever I'm calling you. All right, but this actually brings me into my next story. Um, And this is going to be the last one that I'm going to cover for this episode, Jaw. But the Goldenrod Gremlin has spread a lot of things about his racist suburban rhetoric. Um, He's been talking about suburbs and suburban life a lot on the campaign trail now. While he's been doing that, his newest tactic has been to scare suburban women and mothers by telling them that their suburban life is in danger. If Democrats win the election, he has said that they will transform the mostly white suburbs into places where African refugees will live. Now, I just want to put this into perspective for you. He didn't say African-Americans. He didn't say black people. He specifically has said African refugees. Because, I mean, we all know with the racist mind, Africans from Africa, especially refugees, are way worse than African-Americans. In the racist mind, at least the African-American has been civilized throughout their history. You know, oppression, beating, slavery, rape, murder, lynching. Those are the things that civilized us. Um, The African refugee is just an uncivilized beast who, in their mind, will rape their women, spread disease, and destroy their culture. Which, by the way, let's talk about what a conundrum that is, because the person that they were just wanting to celebrate, Christopher Columbus, not only came here with slaves and enslaved people, he also beat, raped, murdered, and killed and spread disease. Along with other colonizers who did this to the Native Americans. But, you know, I digress there. I digress there. Um, But this new suburban tactic has been a part of the Gremlins campaign strategy since the start of 2020. He started saying he would prevent low-income housing from being built in suburban areas. Um, This was the beginning of him stirring up these old racist ideologies right there, was that low-income housing shouldn't be in suburban areas. Now, in the past, before discrimination was acknowledged and seen as an issue when it came to housing Black people, It was normal for Black people to not be able to rent or buy houses in areas that are designated as white neighborhoods. 
most of the times the realtors would encourage the families to look in other neighborhoods that were predominantly black. They would make the process very, very difficult for them, or they wouldn't even show them properties or houses. Um, in a lot of cases, some black families had to find white allies to pretend that they were buying the house that the black family was interested in in the white neighborhood just to see the property. And if they were able to successfully buy the property as the black family, then the white people who lived in the neighborhood would harass, imitate, intimidate, assault, and sometimes kill the black people who moved there just because they were black. And that was because these white racist people felt that black people were going to bring down the neighborhood. Side note, your neighborhood is already trash. And the worst of the worst, if racism is seen as the norm of where you live. Just saying. But now, Trump, uh, this isn't something new for him. Back in July, the, let's see, pecan, the pecan pushover, the pecan pushover, I don't know, we'll think of it. Um, But back in July, they rolled back an Obama-era program that expanded provisions to the Fair Housing Act. Um, This was meant to encourage the diversification and inclusion of Black people and people of color and lower-income people in suburban communities. While the goldenrod gremlin is spreading fear to people in the suburbs, he's worked to remove that provision that was created by President Barack Obama. As he does that, this will allow prices for suburban homes to rise to unseen levels, increasing the wealth gap, and it also is keeping those areas as, uh, what can I say, as like a white haven is kind of what a lot of people that I've heard describe it as. Um, I've said it as many times before, if you think that the apricot asshole isn't racist, this is clear evidence. He's actively working to make sure black people can't achieve what's supposed to be considered the pinnacle of the American dream. You know, the White House picket fence, nice land in the suburbs. I need you to understand that, that that is what is going to be institutionalized racism, systematic racism, and just racism flat out. If you have a man who says that he wants to prevent people of a certain income level or race from achieving the American dream, then that's racism. That is exactly what racism is. He's saying that this dream doesn't belong to you, so I'm going to put as many barriers and blocks in the way to make sure that you can achieve them just based on the fact that you're Black and you don't work for a Fortune 500 company. I'm just going to leave it there, y'all. I'm going to leave it there. I hope that y'all enjoyed it. And I hope that you get it because we're getting closer and closer to the election. We are two weeks away now and I get the feeling November 3rd is about to be a shit show of epic proportions. But thank you for listening to my shit show. I hope it was a little educational. I hope it gave you some information. If you enjoyed the show, please feel free to rate me and give me a comment on any social media app or podcasting platform that you're listening on. And also feel free to reach out to me on the social media platforms at Lifestyle of Gay Black Boy. Or you can do so by email at lifestylegbb at gmail.com. And I'll make sure to read it, maybe get back to you, give you a little information. The last thing that I want to end us all off on today is just a little word of inspiration. When you think the world is about to flip over, 
destroy you, fuck you, or just bring you the worst, smile. Smile right at the pain. Smile through all the anger and the heartache and the hate because life gets so much better. It does, y'all. Keep that in mind. Stay strong out here. And I'll talk to you next week.